an important message today from the Word of the Lord. Every message is important. But I think this message is very important. I've dealt with this much long ago, but I want to I talk about this again today. I'll give you a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. In this time frame, I don't have time to, to deal broadly with, with all the surrounding things, but you'll, you'll get the message today. The message today, look at me before I read the scripture, I'll go ahead and give you my title. The message today is another Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel. Y'all hear that today? Another Jesus. You say, is there another Jesus? Paul said there was. He wasn't the real Jesus, but it was another. Another Jesus a different spirit. How I many know there's, there's the Holy Spirit? He's God. But there's another spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Different gospel. How I many know that a different gospel will lead you into a different spirit to another Jesus? So let's look at this. Would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? And those of you that have those Bibles, are you there? 1423, are you there? 1423, I told you. It'd be wonderful to get church Bibles. We don't have like a rack, but it'd be great to have where everybody's reading off the same page. I know we have the screen, but I think that's healthy. And by the way, Stephanie, thank you for these songs. Great choices today. I love didn't turn the Christmas season because we start getting into some meaty stuff. Not every song is the same. You understand that. These are meaty. There's so much doctrine in what we sang today. Love those songs. We're going to be doing that through December. And please... Please remember our candlelight communion, Christmas candlelight communion service on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a wonderful, warm time of communion, and we will worship the Lord, and we'll, we'll, we'll just lift up Christ. Here's the word of the Lord. <coughs> Paul says, oh, that you would bear with me a little folly, a little foolishness. And indeed, you do bear with me. Now, there is some sarcasm in this. And he says, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. That is, one translation says, divine jealousy. Divine jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste, that is a pure virgin to Christ. But I fear... Lest somehow the serpent deceive, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Some translations say the, the simplicity and holiness. Simplicity and holiness that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it, meaning you may, you may tolerate it. Father, help us today. Help your people to hear, truly hear. Help your servant to say what you desire for me to say. In all things, may Jesus be exalted. Everyone said amen. Please be seated.
this, this text of scripture, thank you, brother. This text of scripture is a marriage setting. A Jewish marriage setting. This is, the, this is what Paul is talking about. This is the context. If you don't understand Jewish, historical Jewish weddings and how they conducted things from the betrothal, which we would call the engagement, which is different than our engagement, and I'll explain that, into the marriage itself and that, that temporary time of betrothal. But what would happen is Jewish marriages were arranged. I really wish we could get back to that. Now, the kids don't, but I do. Now, God blessed me with wonderful son-in-laws. God picked them, and I love each of them very much. And they're all men of God, and they love the Lord with all their hearts. Do you know that our salvation has been arranged? Our salvation has been arranged. The Bible says in Ephesians that before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. Isn't that an amazing thing? You have been chosen to know Christ. We've been chosen for salvation. It is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to us that the Lord has chosen us to know Him. Often not just the, 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 the dowry, but the groom would also pay a very high price. Do you know the highest price ever known and ever will be known was paid for your salvation and mine? You were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold, not monetary, but with the precious blood of Christ. There's nothing more valuable than the blood of Jesus Christ. May we talk much about the blood. May we, may we speak much about the blood. May we talk about these great themes, nothing greater and more precious than the blood. In the betrothal situation, the couple would actually drink a glass of wine together. And the groom would actually say something kind of like this. I go to prepare a place for you. And the father of the groom would actually oversee the son's building of the bride chamber. And the father of the bride would watch over her during the betrothal period, which could actually last up to a year. When the bride chamber was ready, the groom would go and the marriage would take place. He would receive his bride. We see this in the Old Testament in other places. The groom would come at any time. So the bride and the bridesmaid, they need to be watching. He could come morning. He could come evening. It was the father's highest honor to present to the groom a daughter, a bride worthy of his love. Do you realize this is what Paul is talking about in this text? He's not talking about a Jewish couple. Paul is talking about Christ, the bridegroom, presenting to him the church, the bride of Christ. Our relationship with Christ and Israel's relationship with Christ in the Old Testament is seen in the framework of a marriage. You'll remember verses like this in Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah said, I remember that, I remember you, the kindness of your youth. Now notice, the love of your betrothal. 
This is the Lord speaking to Israel and saying, I remember the betrothal. I remember when I brought you out of Egypt and you were in the wilderness. We have, we have language of marriage in the New Testament that we often don't pick up. For instance, in Revelation 2 and 4, Jesus said, these are the words of Christ. These are some of the last words of Jesus. Revelation 2 and 4, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. That's in the context and framework of marriage. The ESV says, you abandoned your first love. No one ever loses their salvation. They can't abandon it, though. This is the language of marriage. Paul used the same language when he was talking about physical marriage in the Corinthian church. He said this, but if the unbeliever departs, the language is also used in Hebrews, beware lest, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God. That, that departing means divorce. It means to put someone away. We know that even Jesus in his own teaching, he talked about this context of the bridegroom, the groom and the bride. In Matthew, Jesus, when they came to him and says, why do the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? Then Jesus answered and said, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Here's the first thing I want you to see. As we look at 2 Corinthians 11, the first thing I want you to see is this. Now think about this. Sharing the gospel with another person is the greatest thing we can share with them. And this is what Paul did as the apostle. As the sent one, he was sent to the Corinthian church and he brought Christ to them. He shared Christ with them. In other words, Paul is the one who betrothed them to Christ. We see it in 2 Corinthians 11. He says in verse 2, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. There again, that's divine jealousy. He says in verse 2, I have betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. I betrothed you to Christ. How did Paul, did that? How did Paul do that? He did that through the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 and 17, Christ, he said, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel to you. This is how someone is betrothed to Christ. If we're saved, if we truly know Christ in this room, then we have been betrothed to Christ. The marriage has not taken place yet. We are still in the betrothal period. How I many know the marriage is coming? The marriage supper of the Lamb is coming. We're in the betrothal period right now. And in this betrothal period, there's a danger of which Paul said, I'm afraid. I'm fearful. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 4, 15, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. Notice, for in Jesus Christ, I have begotten you in the gospel. Paul betrothed them to Christ. Notice, he didn't try to betroth them to himself, to his ministry, to his ego. No, his ministry was to point them to Christ. Paul said, I want to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And the Corinthians were betrothed to Christ. You know that anyone can be betrothed to Christ. 
It doesn't matter how they lived, how wicked they've been. Well, we've all, we've all been wicked. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Know ye not that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice who he says will not enter heaven, will not enter the kingdom. He said, don't be deceived about this. There's a lot of people who are deceived about this today in modern Christianity. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list, or not I'm going to list, God's going to list who will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are, there's much deception today. People think they can live this way and they're going to people that go to hell from a church pew. You mark my word. There's people that are going to be church members that go to hell because they don't believe the word of God. They're living a lie. Paul says, neither fornicators. That would include pornography. That would include prostitution. It would include all kind of immoral sexual activity. The word is pornea. Don't you think you can sit around and feed on the filth of this world an inner kingdom. Don't, don't let the enemy lie to you. Neither idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, or sodomites, nor thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But notice this wonderful verse. But such were some of you. Such were some of you. How many know Jesus can change people? We have a gospel that offers every human being hope. The Bible said Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be saved. Right now, we have an opportunity. Right now, you know, right now, God's throne is a throne of grace. But listen to me, it will not always be a throne of grace. One day, Jesus is going to put the robe of judgment on and he will judge everyone who has rejected him. But now we have such worse, some of you. Notice this. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. The greatest thing we can do is share the gospel with another human being. And that's what we're trying to do here. That's what our heart's desire is. Paul went to the very wicked city of Corinth. And he went there. And you say, how, how, was wicked? how wicked was Corinth? Corinth was worse than New York City. Worse than Las Vegas, L.A., all the things that you could imagine. Worse than anything you could imagine. They, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to cut someone down, if you wanted to insult someone, you would just call them a Corinthian. And out of that, Paul brings the light of Jesus. And these people come under the gospel and they come under conviction. And notice it doesn't say... You accepted Jesus and kept living that way. In other words, you falsely accepted Jesus and kept living that way. And the preacher deceived you and told you that God would forgive you while you're still living this way. No, you've got to repent. It said such were, past tense, such were some of you. The gospel really changed them. And now these Corinthians are betrothed to Christ. Number two, Paul sees himself as a father whose daughter was betrothed to be married. Do you see it? The apostle sees himself as a father whose daughter is betrothed to be married. Now, the, betroth the betrothal in Jewish custom was as binding as our marriage, marriages are today. And the only thing that could break the betrothal was a divorce. We, I performed a wedding last night down here in the rain. It'll be the most memorable wedding I ever did, ever performed in the rain. And it was a wonderful wedding. It was very beautiful. And the couple 
had come to our church here. And the marriage was of the Lord. It was part of their commitment to the Lord. But we see this betrothal, this, we, see, we see this in Scripture, we see this binding nature of betrothal. We see it in the story of Mary and Joseph. Notice with me, it says in Matthew, and the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. He was betrothed. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say miracle. Jesus was born of a miracle. And Joseph, her husband. Notice that. Joseph, her husband, being a just man. And not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. This, is, this putting away means to divorce. It's what we would say, divorce. But notice, while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It was hard for Joseph to believe this. It would have been hard for you and I to believe this. She was with another man. Is what the, the rumor mill would say. Or Joseph did this. No matter what, in, in, in ultra conservative Jewish culture, this would have been a shame. And they never forgot it. And they never stopped throwing it up, even though it was a lie, it was a slander. Remember when they said, We be not born of fornication? They were still throwing it up in Mary's face. But notice what God says God sees the truth. Do you see that? God sees the truth. Look at this. Do not be afraid to take her, Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Miracle. Notice this. Notice this is a little commentary on betrothal to help us understand what this is. This is the scholar R.T. France says this. The difference between our modern concept of engagement and that of the first century Jews was indicated by the description of Joseph already in verse 19 as Mary's husband. That's how binding it was. The marriage hadn't taken place yet. He was already her husband in the betrothal. That's how binding it was. And by the use of the normal word for divorce to describe the ending of the engagement, though the couple were not yet living together, it was a binding contract entered into before witnesses which could be terminated only by death or by divorce. Sexual infidelity during the engagement would be the basis of such divorce. After a year, uh, about a year after the engagement, the woman, about age 13 or 14, would leave her father's home and go to live with her husband in a public ceremony. So the, 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 the betrothal period was binding and the marriage happened at the end of the betrothal period. Once again, I'm going to let us know, we are in the betrothal period. The marriage supper of the Lamb hasn't taken place yet. Here's, here's what Paul, Paul is concerned about. Paul is saying that any other kind of relationship during the betrothal is seen as adultery. Just like it was in the case of Joseph and Mary, even though, even though that was a false deal, but yet you see the mindset there. James, the brother of Jesus, says this to us. The love of the world is considered for us. Listen, are you listening? Come on, say amen. Because we have been betrothed and promised to Christ. And Christ alone. 
Anything that we allow to come in between our relationship with Jesus Christ is seen as spiritual adultery. This is what Paul's heart is breaking over for the Corinthians, whom he has betrothed to Christ. James said it this way, you adulterers, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a fr- make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It was the father's responsibility to keep his daughter pure during the, the, the betrothal period and to present her to the bridegroom. This is what Paul sees that his role is. Notice it with me quickly. Paul's driving passion for the betrothed, which is the church, was that the betrothed, was that the church, was that the people of God who had been betrothed to Christ, that in this betrothal period that they would be devoted as a pure virgin to Christ spiritually. Notice verse 2 again. Notice verse 2. 2 Corinthians eleven two. 2. I am jealous for you. I have a divine jealousy for you. A godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you. Notice that I may present you as a chaste virgin in Christ. This is what Paul said. His, his heart was for the purity of the church. His heart was that the people of God would be 100% devoted to Jesus It would never let anything come in to their heart. Notice this. The marriage of Christ and the church will not take place until he comes for the bride. Revelation speaks to this. Revelation says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Uh, In verse 9, blessed is he who is called to the marriage supper of the lamb. Now think about this. During the betrothal period, the church must keep herself pure. This is what Paul and the other New Testament writers write about again and again and again. The Apostle John writes and says this in his little letter. He says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We're in the betrothal period. We're saved, but we're also being saved. Our salvation is not complete. We have to finish the journey. We have to persevere until the end. He said, we've been called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Behold, now we are the children of God. Notice, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But when we, we know that when he is revealed, that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. And everyone, everyone who's been betrothed to Christ, everyone who has this hope of the marriage supper, what does they do? Purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin is lawlessness, etc. Number three, the peril that Paul confronts in the Corinthian church is that of unfaithfulness to Christ, our beloved. Look at verse three. But I fear, I am afraid for you, Christians. I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid for you, Corinthians, whom I said such were some of you. I am fearful. I am afraid 
Those of you who have been betrothed to Christ, you have come to know him. You have been saved. Your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am afraid for you, Corinthians, that lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity. Some translations say simplicity and holiness that is in Christ. The engaged, an engaged woman owes her love to her beloved. Anything else is adultery. In this case, to the Corinthians, spiritual adultery. The, the simplicity in this translation literally means singleness of devotion. Singleness of devotion to Christ. Hear me. A divided heart leads to defiled life which will lead to destroyed life. What's Paul doing? He's confronting anything and he's dealing with anything and everything that would damage their relationship with Christ, their bridegroom. Number four, Paul's main concern, which should be every pastor's main concern, was that the Corinthians be devoted to Christ. Why did the Lord save us? The Lord saved us to sanctify us. The, the, we, we've been betrothed to Christ in spiritual marriage. We have been saved. Why? That we may be His, that we may be sanctified. The Ephesians passage on marriage says it clearly. Listen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he may present, that he may present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. Our devotion to Christ should consist of several things. Our devotion to Christ should consist of a longing for his return. Just like the bride would, would long for the bridegroom, would wait for him, should watch for him. We should be watching for him. We should be waiting for him. We should be longing for him. Our devotion to Christ consists of a life that is holy before him, that righteous before him. Our, our devotion to him, our single-hearted devotion to him should be that of we should grow in our love for him. Why is it that so many Christians start out and about 10 or 15 years in, they don't read their Bible, they barely go to church anymore? Why? Because the serpent has deceived them. Why do we not grow in our love for the word of God? Why are we not growing in our reverence for him and our worship for him? Our, it's a joy to serve him and to serve his body. This is what single-minded devotion to Christ is. But we have Satan, don't we? Satan's tactics. Satan is behind the apostasy that we see in the church today. What were the Corinthians doing? The Corinthians were doing what many Christians are doing today. Number one, they were following the wrong people. Look at what the scripture says. If one comes, if, verse four, if one comes, who comes and preaches another Jesus, 
They are following the wrong. If another, if one comes. I'm amazed at who people follow today. Many of the false teachers have the greatest crowds and the most money. And you know why that is? Because there's a lack of discernment in the body of Christ today. People do not know the word of God and they will tolerate anything. Paul even says, you may well put up with it in the latter part of verse 4. That means you may tolerate it. They tolerate this stuff. I'm disgusted with it. I may never have a mega ministry. I don't desire a mega ministry. I won't sell my ministry. I will not sell my integrity. These Corinthians are following the wrong people. Verse 3 says, your minds have been corrupted. Your minds have been corrupted. What we have is, Paul said in verse 1, let me put up with a little folly. Paul, Paul didn't like talking about himself. Paul, But Paul knew. Paul wasn't on an ego trip. And later on in this chapter, in, in verse 13 and 15 I'll, through 15, I'll read it. Paul is putting forth his ministry because he knows that they need to see what real ministry is. They need to see true integrity. They need to see what real Christianity is. And they're following these shysters, these Corinthians were. And Paul's ministry was a genuine ministry that we could pattern in the life. Paul was an apostle. He's an example for us to follow. And Paul's saying, don't follow the phony super, quote, apostles. Look at verse, thir- uh, verse 13 of 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. No wonder, he says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. These Corinthians were following the wrong people. Number two, they were listening to the wrong message. They were listening to the wrong message. Verse 4, another gospel. Another. There's only one true gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all the 27 books of the New Testament. And prophesied in the 39 books of the Old Testament. It's the gospel found in the word of God. And the Corinthians were listening to the wrong message. Listen, this true gospel is a gospel that is always, always centered in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why do we have so many preachers preaching message after message after message after message and you don't hear about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You hear about money. You hear about self-esteem. You hear about self-help. It's another gospel. It is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us listen to A.W. Tozer, who said this, and I quote, and any, any overemphasis of an attribute of God will always lead to heresy. And you hear these groups, and it's prophecy, 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 healing, 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 healing. Well, God is a healer and he does give prophecy. But let me tell you what the Bible says. The spirit of Jesus, no, no. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I don't need to know if my toe hurts. I need to hear the gospel proclaimed. 
If you go in a room and say, somebody here's back's hurt, you're going to hit the target. Everybody's back hurt. All of us are overweight in America. I'm amazed at who people follow. Another gospel. Listen, any attribute of God that is overemphasized always leads to false teaching. It's this way. Your ears are proportional to your head. Your ears are not as big as Dumbo's. The word of God must be rightly divided. Our God is a supernatural God. Our God is a healer. Our God is a God that works wonderfully. But in many areas, Christians have been deceived by another gospel. I need to hear about Jesus. I need to hear about the cross again and again and again. I need to hear about the coming of Jesus. I need to be brought into conviction because I'm separated from God. The Corinthians were listening to another gospel. What is another gospel? What is another gospel? It is a gospel where Christ is something else than what the Bible says. Listen. It may be Christ with a little humanism at him. It may be Christ with new age. It may be Christ with this, some new whatever. But listen to this. Another gospel always focuses on us rather than the proclamation of Christ and his truth and his glory. A false gospel is always humanistic instead of being Christocentric. These Corinthians were accepting a different Jesus. Another Jesus. This is what Paul said. Paul is the authoritative apostle. There's no other apostles like him. Oh, I know you pass these churches and apostles so and so. I can tell you, they don't want to be an apostle. These guys are not apostles in the biblical sense. Paul said they want to be apostles. Let them have the signs of an apostle. Let them be shipwrecked for a while. Beat up with the rods. Put in prison for Christ. The signs of apostles are not in them. What is another Jesus? Are you listening? I'm almost done. Are you listening? Here's what another Jesus is. Another Jesus is a Jesus who is man, but he's not God. They deny his deity, his full deity, the God-man. Another Jesus is one who's crucified, but he's not risen. A denial of the resurrection of Christ. It's a Jesus who brings bondage instead of freedom. It's a Jesus, another Jesus is a Jesus whose grace is supposedly to save us, but it never sanctifies us. A false Jesus leads us into a false grace because the false grace allows us license to sin and live wickedly. But the Jesus I know is called Savior. He saves us from our sin. He breaks the power of darkness. He gives us a life that's free in him and the Holy Spirit. They were following the wrong people. They were listening to the wrong message. They were accepting a different Jesus. And they were receiving a different spirit. A different spirit. Only the true gospel of Jesus Christ can bring you into the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a powerful gospel that breaks the, this is the power of the gospel. It breaks chains. It, it re reconciles us to God. This is the gospel that has the power not only to save us, but to keep us saved. 
You are kept by the power of God through faith, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is a gospel that will anoint us. According to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power, dunamis, to go out and proclaim Christ in a dark world. But those who proclaim a false gospel do so under a demonic spirit. They're anointed by the devil. Paul said it. Now the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. We're seeing that happen. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now notice this. Notice we're not talking about some demon just floating out. We're talking about a demon and a man. We're talking about a demon and a false prophet. So don't believe every spirit. These these men are speaking a different gospel, a false gospel, which is under a different spirit. Notice. Just as the serpent entered the Garden of Eden and deceived Eve with his craftiness, these false teachers had slithered in the church at Corinth and the Corinthians were tolerating it. They were listening to it. Another gospel, a different Jesus, a different spirit, another spirit. Verse 4, you may well put up with it, exclamation. He's not, he's not complimenting them. He's chiding them for their gullibility and their lack of discernment. Have you ever noticed, have you ever watched what false gospels produce? False gospels leaves a man in lust. Greed, self-centered, focused life, worldliness. That kind of gospel leads to instability. You ever watch what the true gospel brings? Righteousness. Godly fear. You can tell a man who's met God. He doesn't use God's name lightly. He trembles. He trembles. You read the scripture? I hear these people that say, well, Jesus came and appeared to me and this and that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Could it happen? Yeah, it could. But I listened to them. They like I sat down and had tea with Jesus. Paul saw him and fell down. Isaiah, the great prophet, wanted to die. Woe is me. They've never met the true God. That's another Jesus. The true gospel produces heavenly mindedness. You don't want this world anymore. You don't even fit in this world anymore. And it produces stability. Think about it this morning. Another Jesus. A different spirit. A different gospel. Hmm. Do you hear me today? Do you hear what Pastor had to say? I mean every word of it. And I have this song in my notes. I would rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. Than to be a king of a vast domain Or be held in sin's dread sway I'd rather have Jesus 
than anything this world affords. Hallelujah. I know there's a lot I won't have in this world, but I have Jesus. I have Jesus. I won't sell my ministry. We're not going to sell our church to some foolishness. We're going to be a gospel preaching church. We're going to cling to Jesus. We're going to proclaim him in all of his majesty. May he have the preeminence in this church, in all that we do. There are no superstars. There will never be celebrities in this church. We, that disgusts me. I'm disgusted with it. God let us be true Christians. Are you hearing me, church? Let's be what we are here at home. Let's be honest. Let's love our wives. Let's be people of prayer. Let's not have some kind of foolishness go on. Be a Christian. And then when we stand before Jesus, we will not be ashamed in his presence. I want our musicians to come. I'm going to ask him to sing this song as we pray together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you rather have Jesus today than anything? I hope you'll join us online Wednesday. With your Bible open to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll be in chapter 2 Wednesday. Just moving along in the scripture. We need Jesus today. We need the real Jesus. Listen, not the utilitarian Jesus. That he does what we want. No, he's he's Lord. He's Yahweh. He's I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus why don't we stand could we sing this as a prayer Stephanie would you lead this I'd rather have Jesus Jesus. than silver or gold I'd rather Riches untold. Think about it. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by His name, than to be.
just worship him for a moment just a moment longer just worship him we bless your name Lord we cherish you Jesus we worship you Jesus we honor your precious and holy name today we give you the honor we give you the glory and the praise worthy is the lamb worthy is our Christ thank you Jesus worthy is his name we bless your for us before we leave this place. I want to pray for all of us. Pray for my own heart too. And I want to pray that that we don't ever lose that pure single-hearted devotion to Christ. Do you, do you understand there's going to be massive regret stand before the Lord and realize what they missed realize what they sold Christ for whatever whatever the cost to serve the Lord it's worth it whatever the sacrifice it's worth it for our hearts today Lord I pray for this preacher today I pray for all of our hearts today that we would have pure single hearted devotion to Christ that we would never just go through motion the motions of religion or church but Lord we would recognize every time we open our Bible we're opening his words that every time we pray we're praying to the sovereign of the universe Every time we worship, we worship among the church of the firstborn. We worship in the church where His presence is. God, make this big in our hearts and thoughts today. Let our minds not be deceived by the enemy. But help us to cling to the gospel. Which will lead us to your spirit. Which will lead us to the real Jesus. The Jesus who is fully God. The Jesus who fulfilled all Old Testament prophecy. The Jesus who hung on the cross, was buried in the third day rose and ascended 40 days later and now is at the right hand of Father. The Jesus, this same Jesus whom you've seen go away, He will come in like manner. The real Jesus that really makes real Christians. The real Jesus who will make a man love his wife and be holy and not full of immorality. Of the real Jesus who will make wives love their husbands and children respect their parents. The real Jesus who will help us to live godly in a dark world and will keep us. The real Jesus. That's the Jesus we want. Not another. Not a utilitarian Jesus. Not a Jesus who will do what we want him to do. But a Jesus whom we have to say, you are Lord. We surrender all to you. I thank you, God. Help us all to have single-minded devotion to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your mighty name. I feel like many of you in this room, myself included, 
have prayed that prayer and, and have strengthened the bonds of love with Christ today. And so, Father, today I pray that your blessing would rest upon your sweet people. I pray, Lord, that they know that what I've said today, though straight at times, is full of love for their spiritual hearts, full of love for their relationship with you. I pray a a baptism of love for one another in this church. I pray for a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I pray for grace to be multiplied. I pray that you would supply every need. And Lord, as we get into 2021, that our church once again would begin to grow. We begin to see people saved. And great things happen as we build this church. We believe you'll help us with the finances. Lord, if we will keep our hearts clean before you, we look to you and you alone. And now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ May the love of God and may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all today. And we all say, Amen. I love you. Could you sing it again? It would be great to sing it again as we go. I love you as you're dismissed in the Lord.